0: Our reading today is from Matthew chapter 2, starting from verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child, to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night, and departed to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he had saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem, and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time, that he had been ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah: A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation; Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted, because they are no more.
1: Thank you, Samuel, and uh, good morning to you all. Uh, We're going to be reading again from the book of Hebrews this time, in chapter 2. As you know, what we're doing in the Sundays up to Christmas is we're looking at some verses from this book the book of Hebrews that talk about uh, why the Lord Jesus came into the world why why he was born last week uh, Johnny spoke to us from chapter one and he was reminding us about how God had spoken in many times in the past through the prophets yet in these last days he spoke to us Now, we're going to take up another point uh, from chapter 2, and we're going to be reading this from verse number 14. Just two verses. And uh, this is what we're going to try and speak about and explain uh, during the rest of the service. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Amen. May God's word uh, touch your hearts. So we're going to, we're going to think uh, today, the subject uh, that I've put over these verses is that of a dark Christmas. Maybe I should have used the word bleak since we've just sung that carol in the, in the, in the bleak uh, midwinter, a bleak, a dark Christmas. Um, we're all told that we should be dreaming of a white Christmas. Uh, I think it was Elvis who sang something about a, a blue Christmas uh, without you, but, but this, is, this is a dark Christmas that this verse brings to our, our attention so so let me just say what what it uh, read what it says again remind you about what it says where it talks about destroying him who has the power of death that is the devil there is something dark about uh, these verses and and these verses refer to as a uh, to us about why the lord jesus came into the world now if you're interested um, and were to read down the whole of this chapter, chapter 2, you would actually find that there are, there are four reasons that are given in this, just this one chapter about, about why the Son of God took upon himself human form and entered into our world. And, and we're just going to be looking at this, this one uh, this morning. Uh, the Bible is clear that there, there is a devil. Um, Christians believe that. Um, A lot of folks in the world may well roll their eyes at that point, but this is part of the explanation that the Bible gives for why there is evil and tragedy and misery uh, in our world. And uh, we'll come and speak about that in a a little bit more detail uh, later on. What is clear is that from the very birth of Christ, uh, the devil... Attempted the destruction of Jesus, the Son of God. That's why I asked Samuel to read that part of the excerpt of the of the Christmas story that focused on on the edict of Herod and uh, and the slaughter of the innocents. Um, we're, we're used to having uh, the nativity with the shepherds, uh, with the wise men and with angels as being part of it what is not depicted quite so often is the fact that at the time of the birth of christ there were not only angels filling the skies but uh, there was satanic influence and there were demons that should be drawn into the the christmas cards as well now there there is a symbolism uh, in the of revelation the final book of the bible in chapter 12 that, that that makes this particular point and and the symbolism is of a great red dragon and this dragon stands before a woman who is about to give birth so that he can devour the child that is born and then that's in pictorial language And really it's giving us insight into what was happening, part of what was happening at the birth of Christ. That there was an attempt to devour or to destroy the child that was born. And of course that was the reason for the edict from Herod. An awful time. Every child, every male child who was under two years of age in that entire vicinity and area slaughtered the slaughter of the innocents. And you have the, the pathos of the words that were quoted from the, the prophet Jeremiah about about Rachel weeping for her children because they are no longer They're no longer there. And this is the darkness. This is the darkness of satanic and demonic oppression against the Son of God who is entering into the world. And you will know from even just a studies in Mark's Gospel so far that there was a proliferation of demonic activity during the life of Christ. You know, one of the the, the key ones was this man whose name was called Legion. And the, na- the name was given to him because he was possessed by a legion of, of demons. And of course, the word demon is a reflection on angels that have fallen and left their first estate and have followed the prince of the demons, which is another name that is given uh, to the devil. The Bible describes for us how the devil um, at another time in the life of Christ for 40 days consecutively approached him uh, to tempt him, uh, to cause him to fall, uh, to cause him to divert his, his, his route, if you like, as far as his mission was concerned. And he, he went after that period when, when, when Satan was thwarted and defeated, just for a season he left him. During the whole course of the life of Christ, um, there was demonic and satanic oppression and difficulty. And this is something that, in a sense, was a fulfillment of of the whole of the biblical record, because way back in the book of Genesis chapter 3, right at the very start, when sin had entered into the world and when Satan had tempted the first humans to fall, um, there was a promise made that right throughout the course of history, the serpent would continue to attack the seed of the woman. But the seed of the woman eventually would crush his head and all the way through the Old Testament and of course the, 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 the verses that we've read today are from the book of Hebrews So here are Hebrew Jewish people well aware of the history of their Old Testament about instances where the devil is, is cited and so for instance you'll get um, the book of Job uh, the the man who suffered so greatly and yet the curtain is kind of pulled back and an explanation is given to us of why he suffered and what was going on and the reason behind it all. And the reason behind it all is that Satan puts his finger, with God's permission, on his life and destroys so much of it, but only so far. And he's not allowed to go any further than God allows him to do it. But Job, And he never understood at any point, even at the end of it, why it all had happened to him. But we are given the insight that there was satanic oppression as far as his life was concerned. There was an instance in the life of uh, King David where Satan tempted him against the nation, lifted up his heart and pride, and he wanted to take a census. Now you think, well, what's what's so, so wrong about taking a census? but the the whole, the whole thing was orchestrated as a means of of puffing up the pride and the sense of importance that David had, um, and uh, because of that temptation that he fell into the, the nation uh, suffered there 's another instance in the book of Zechariah near the end, where the high priest of the day is is um, opposed by satan who accuses him and who slanders him who tries to tear his reputation down makes him to feel guilt and uh, that that satanic attack has to be has to be withstood by the word of god so there are a number of instances and examples and illustrations that are given all the way through the bible but here now at this point what we're told is the Son of God is appearing. He's being born. He's taking upon him not angelic form, but he's taking upon himself human form. I mean, if you think about it, if, if he had taken upon himself angelic form and had, had stepped down from the eternal throne of God and became an angel, I mean, that would have been massive humiliation for him. But he comes further down the wrong, if you like, and takes human form. And for a little while, he's made lower than the angels. And the reason that's highlighted here for him doing that is so that he might destroy the work of the devil, destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. And deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong bondage. That is highlighted as one of the prime reasons why the Son of God became human. And at this point, what I'd like to do is address a particular question. And the question is this, and it's something that, you know, frequently is asked and people grapple with quite understandably, is, I mean, why is there so much evil in the world? I mean, why is there so much in the way of tragedy and all these problems that we know of in a general sense and many of us know at a personal level? If uh, if God is all-powerful, could he not just stop all of that? And if God is a God of love, you know, why would he allow that to happen anyway? And so many people, because Because these questions are unresolved in their mind, they conclude that there can't be a God at all, because if there was one, he would intervene as far as this whole issue of evil in our world and tragedy is concerned. So, I mean, what I'd like to do is I'd like to try and explain that from the perspective of of the Bible. Because if we go right back to the beginning, and God created the universe. What is clear of course is that the universe and the world that we are part of, it was it was created perfect. You know, time and again the the refrain is this that when God looked at what he had created, he saw that it was good. He saw he saw that it was very good and and he rested, you know, and that carries with it the sense of of pleasure and enjoyment and everything that was there. It was it was very good and there was no pain and there was no misery. And there was no tragedy. And there was no death. And there were none of the things that are so part of our world today. It was, it was good. It, it was paradise. And then there is the explanation of the insinuation of, of the devil. Who's characterized in this form of, of a serpent. Who, who appears to the first, the first humans, Adam. Uh, and even and and tempts them so something has taken place the devil has been cast down to the earth scripture describes to us that originally he was an angel an angel who aspired uh, to be higher than god and was cast out and with him there followed a host of other angels. I mean, Jesus himself refers to this. You might want to look up this verse later on. Luke chapter 10, verse 18, where Jesus said on one occasion to his disciples, you know, I, I, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. I was there. I, I, I was there when it happened and he was cast out of heaven. And, uh, and, and, and the, the, the partial armies of heaven followed him. And you can read about that also in the book of Jude, if you want to later on. How some of these angels have been kept in chains of darkness, in a shadowy place until the final day of judgment. And and, and this, this was the explanation, therefore, of how temptation came. And, and our first father succumbed to that. And because of that sin, this evil principle enters into our world and blights everything. And because of all of that, there is corruption, and there is suffering, and there is death. And death passes upon all of us. And all the tragedies of our world, they all find their source from the temptation of the devil, and we all have become inheritors of that. And that is the biblical explanation of how sin and death entered into the world. And that's what it says here. He has the power of death. That is the devil. And how there is deliverance in Christ for all of us who through fear of death have been subject to lifelong slavery and bondage. The fear of death, the concern of death, The uncertainty of all of these things, of the disease that leads to death, and that is his great and awful weapon, the weapon of death that the devil wields. And uh, the Lord Jesus himself gives this explanation now of the reason that he comes into the world is to destroy that. Not him being destroyed, but he destroying the devil who holds the power of death. Now, the next question I'd like to address is this one. How does he destroy him? How does he do that? Well, it seems like a paradox. It seems like a contradiction. But it says this. That it was through death that he might destroy the one who has the power of death. And so through the death of Christ, which of course could only happen because he takes upon himself human form in the first place. That it is through his death that he destroys the one who has the power of death the devil is limited he, he is powerful and frightening but he is not all powerful he, is, he, he has wisdom but he is not all knowledgeable like God is and, and what the devil did not know was that the the mission of christ the purpose of christ the objective of christ was to come into the world to die and so all along you have these instances where satan himself attempts the destruction of christ some of them i've mentioned already you think about for instance the time on the on the boat the storm at sea the the, the the great wind that, that suddenly comes out of nowhere and the, the, there's concern that the, the boat is going to be swamped and the disciples and Christ will be lost. I mean, things like that were all manipulated and engineered uh, by, by satanic activity. And yet he was unable to do that because Christ's time had not yet come. The night before the crucifixion, uh, Judas the betrayer is, is kind of highlighted at the, at the last supper and um, there, is a, there is a comment that's made in the narrative that after he had received the final sop of bread, the offer if you like, by Christ that Satan entered into Judas and Judas went out and, and it was night well it was night, it was dark but it was, it was dark in more ways than one uh, he went out into into the night of the betrayal of Christ under satanic influence. And, and so everything that happened beyond there, Judas' involvement, the chief priests, the Romans, the crowds, all of that is all part of what Satan thinks he is engineering as far as the destruction of Christ is concerned. And when he sees him upon the cross... He feels that he has won, and that the Son of God has been destroyed. But little did he know that this, in fact, was to be his own destruction, because it was through death, the death of Christ, that Christ, in fact, destroys the work of the devil. Now, now how is that the case? Well, there's a couple of ways that we might explain that. Number one is this, that Because he died, then he would be resurrected. And the the power of death would be put into reverse. It would be broken by Christ himself. And Satan is unable to keep Christ in the grave after his death. And you can imagine all the demonic activity at the death of Christ at the moment when his spirit leaves him upon the cross the rejoicing, if you like, in the regions of hell. And yet they failed to understand that this, in fact, was to be their own demise and defeat, because Christ would break all of that and would rise triumphant from the dead. Now, there's a very important verse um, to draw your attention to in, in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15, which reads like this, that, Christ disarmed rulers and authorities and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in his death. Now, these rulers and authorities are, 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 if you like, ranks of satanic influence and demonic activity. And, And he takes them on and disarms them and he puts them to an open shame by triumphing over them through the cross. Number two, the cross provides atonement. The cross deals with the great issue of human sin, and the Lord Jesus pays that price and becomes the sacrificial lamb that is required for the sin of the world. And there's an old hymn that kind of tries to take all of this and, and put it together. Uh, One of the verses goes something like this. Uh, It was by uh, weakness and defeat that he won the victor's crown. He trod all his foes beneath his feet by being trodden down. Tremendous paradox. And yet it was through this seeming weakness and, and, and through apparent defeat that the Lord Jesus pays the price for sin and the opportunity now exists for for atonement. Now, there may be another question that's in our mind this morning, and the question probably runs something like this. If you're saying that the devil was defeated in the death of Christ, well, well, why does there still seem to be so much devilish activity? Why are all these tragedies, and why is there so much evil that is still prevalent and going on all these years after the death of Christ? How do you explain that? Well, explain it in a number of ways. Number one, this is a process. It is a process. So the Lord Jesus on one occasion said this, just before his death. He said now is the judgment of this world. This is John chapter 12. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And, and that happened. That is if you like. That is the, the verdict. If we're thinking about things in a legal sense. You know somebody stands in court. The verdict is passed. But the final execution of that, in a sense, will still take some time before it is carried out. And so the Bible is quite clear that eventually there will be the, the, the denouement of Satan. That, yes, there was a casting out of Satan then, but there will be a final casting out of Satan, Revelation 20, into the lake of fire that was prepared for the devil and for his angels. And uh, he is allowed to exist, but he knows that his time is short. And during this course, the Lord Jesus says that I will build my church and the gates of hell will never prevail against it. And so during this period of time when the offer of salvation is extended to humanity... And there are people who receive Christ as Savior and Lord. There is uh, the reduction, if you like, in the power of Satan in their lives. They learn to resist the devil, and he flees from them. They, they, they learn, in terms of Ephesians chapter 6, that you know our great struggle is against principalities and powers. And, and that if we take to ourselves the spiritual armor of God that is provided for us, that we can withstand these things. And so this time of our lives, when, when Christ is building his church, it is an opportunity that, to show that Satan can be resisted as part of this process until his final doom uh, takes place. It is also It is also a time of of kindness and of patience in God's part. God has not intervened immediately. God is giving time and opportunity to humanity to respond to the gospel. And so some verses, the verse that we have here can be translated like this. That through death, he might destroy the one. The tense of that, that that word destroy carries it the idea of process. It carries with it the idea of, of rendering powerless or annulling the power of Satan. And it is a process that takes place until the final condemnation of Satan um, at the last at the last judgment, as the Bible uh, describes. And so there is this opportunity in the time of God's patience before that takes place for us to respond. We were being reminded last week of uh, the first verse of chapter 2, where it says we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard so that we don't drift away from these things. Because how, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? And sometimes when we sit and we listen to things, we're all guilty of it. You know, our eyes glaze over and things go above our head. Uh, We're told that we need to pay attention. I was sharing this with a few few folks last week. But it doesn't just say that. It it, it says that we we must pay close attention. Well, no, it doesn't say that either, actually. It, It goes deeper. It says we must pay much closer attention to the things that we've heard, so that we don't drift away from them. And so we, we need to we need to, with kind of laser focus, give attention to to the message of the gospel, because it is such an important thing. And and, and the the clarity of its message comes to us today. And in the goodness of God we are given this opportunity, this time to respond to it. So it's in this sense I think uh, that we, we think of Christmas as, as as a dark, as a bleak a bleak Christmas. In recognising the reality of the devil and his influence. But in contrast, there is this wonderful gospel that we come to experience and to celebrate that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has never been able to extinguish the light. That uh, on the land and in the region of of darkness, a great light shone when Christ was born. And that light continues to shine in our day and age. The light of the world, as Jesus described himself. Follow me and you will have the light uh, of life. And so we we celebrate the coming of the Savior who, who destroyed him who had the power of death. Rendered him powerless and has delivered all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. These are the the two big words, if you like, are destroy and deliver. And that that is the hope of the gospel. That in coming to Christ in belief and in faith, we can know something ourselves of the deliverance from fear. That the Lord Jesus Christ offers in his gospel. So that is um, what this, these verses, I think, are bringing uh, uh, to our attention. A reality that we're not often focused on at this time of the year, but is highlighted for us in these passages. And may God help us uh, to respond to that. Now, shall we pray? Lord, thank you for the light of the world, our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the reason that he came. Uh, And he took on human form uh, to destroy the works of the devil, these awful things that so blight our existence. Thank you that we can know deliverance uh, through faith in the Lord Jesus. And we just pray that the glory of the gospel will grip our hearts and help us all to experience its wonder. And so, Lord, we commit ourselves to you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.